0: Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast on Sportsnet I'm not even The Fan, brought to you by Campbell's new Chunky Spicy Soup. It's time to get fired up. Raptors, not once were they fired up for this game, let's be honest. Raptors lose tonight by a score of 120-105. to 105. It was closer than that for a lot of the game, like it wasn't a blowout or anything. Uh, the Warriors did trail for much of the game, which was a little surprising considering the Raptors did not bring their A, their B, arguably not even their C game, but still... Uh, once the Warriors pulled ahead, there was no real effort by the Raptors to close in. There was no real escalation in terms of their intensity or execution. And, yeah, Raptors ultimately just kind of petered out at the very end there. Uh, lots to cover in this one. There always is when the Warriors are in town. I mean, just first off, this is at least like a quarter of, of, of the crowd was were was Warrior fans. There were a lot of, you know, there's more there's more Steph Courageors in here than anything else. You know what I mean? And, of course, Steph is Steph. Um, yeah, you know, one of the most instantly popular players. But I'm even looking around now, and this is about 15 minutes after the game is over, and there's still tons of fans just milling about, hoping for Steph to come back in. I mean, the amount of people watching him before the game as well. You know, uh, Scotiabank Arena tonight. Uh, all all I'm not not say a neutral crowd, but certainly lots of cheers either way um, for both sides. And you know, you you just you didn't have this much of a. Mixture, I feel like. I feel like before it was more uniformity in terms of supporting the Raptors. But, like, I totally get it, right? Um, it, it's, it's one of the biggest stars literally in the world coming into your building. And, you know, even I stuck around to make sure I watched that pregame warm-up and everything like that. Uh, but, yeah, the Raptors unfortunately lose, and the Raptors I wouldn't even say put up much of a fight. I mean, the biggest storyline here for today, and it's very concerning, but Steph, uh, um, Scotty Barnes left this game in the first half, uh, he went over to help contest a shot at the basket and it looked like his ham got jammed under the on, on the rim. And he instantly, like, you know, felt a lot of pain and basically almost ran out of the floor, like, underneath the basket, around the courtside seats, and then back into play so that he could take the personal foul, and then he checked himself out for the game. Uh, that was shortly before halftime. You know, we had seen instances of this before where it was like, maybe he can come back, maybe he can't um but unfortunately he really just was not able to return to the game and that's something obviously worth monitoring he is by far the raptors best player and um you know like again i don't i don't i wouldn't say the raptors played that great even with him on the floor but without him it kind of just felt like it, the raptors were very very lost and of course they were lost i mean you know this is a team especially now after the trades that is so firmly built around Scotty as an entity. The second unit is entirely built around what Scotty can do for them offensively and defensively. The starting lineup obviously caters a lot to what he does. And then, you know, you take him out of that group, it is really difficult for the Raptors to find organization. Having said that, though, I mean, look, this is a Warriors team that I understand they have won a lot recently, and their defense was really good. That's been the bulk of their success. I mean, they've now won 13 of the last 16 games And it's primarily because they've had like a top four, top three level defense during that stretch. And we saw that here tonight. It was not easy to score against them, even though the Warriors are small and they play a lot of small players in the rotation. They switch really well. They help each other really well. Um, And, you know, that was it. And honestly, when they didn't, which was the start of the game, the Raptors had a lot of open chances and they did take a lead. Uh, Steve Kerr made sure to take two Early timeouts, literally back-to-back. He took a timeout after Emmanuel quickly hit a three. I think put the Raptors up 14-7, about five minutes into the game. Then after coming out of the timeout, Draymond tried to drive and throw a lob to Kaminga. The Raptors broke it up. Raptors went the other way, uh, made two passes, and got it to RJ in the corner for a three, and Steve Kirk called another timeout. So literally two timeouts within a minute. And he, the second timeout, he stormed onto the court, and he just ripped into his team. Like, you know, Steve is, generally speaking, a pretty mild-mannered guy. You know, we've seen him. I mean, he's been in the NBA forever now because you know, he's been the Warriors coach for a very long time. Uh, he's just a just a kind of a not soft-spoken, but, you know, like kind of you, you, get the, you get the sense that he talks a lot with a smile on his face, that kind of deal. Um, and he just absolutely got into it. He got into the face of Jonathan Kaminga. Uh, he got into it with the rest of his team. And, of course, if you call two snap timeouts like that, what you're trying to do is wake them up. And, honestly, the Warriors might literally have needed a wake-up call Because they, you know, due to plane malfunctions, they had to switch planes last night after playing in the garden and they beat the Knicks as well. Kind of similarly gritty game. Um, You know, they only got to their hotel this morning after 7 a.m. here. So I'm sure a lot of these guys were not, you know, on, on full energy. Again, going back to watching Steph warm up. Steph also had, you know, honestly, his standards are pretty bad warm up, right? You've him miss, like, four or five shots in a row at certain moments. And that's obviously, like, way below his quality. But I do think that there was a huge fatigue factor. And Steve made sure to say early in the game, that's not going to be an excuse for us. And I credit them. I credit Steph, first off, for instantly coming out of that timeout. Um, he had actually had a turnover first play out of that timeout. But after that, he nailed three threes, and he also drove and set up Draymond for an easy floater. Um, he instantly pulled the game back into focus four, a Golden State, and even though Golden State didn't have that second push until the second half to get over the Raptors, they were just now like one or two possessions hanging around where Toronto was. And you know, again, I, th- I think for, for them, you started to see more and more the Warriors playing this like physical, this this, this like physicality in their game that you know you wouldn't necessarily expect because again, they're, they're smaller, but the guys really dug in and their ball pressure was really good. You know, guys like I thought Moses Moody had a really, really good game in in this one, in particular on uh, the offensive side in the first half, but defensively too, putting a lot of ball pressure on Emmanuel quickly, who continues to struggle against that type of matchup quickly has played better of late, although tonight was a real struggle for him tonight. And it wasn't just because of Scotty's absence. But I think the common theme in, in watching these performances, not just the box scores is like these physical guards, um, who can pressure him a lot on the perimeter, he's really having a hard time getting around them, getting downhill, um, getting separation, and he's obviously not much of a step back or, like, pull up or, like, you know, like the crafty, like, rip through kind of stuff. Like, you know, like, you, for example, you've seen lots of guards, like, pressure Steph, or is that what, and Steph does a great job of okay, using the momentum against them, cutting the opposite way to get separation, and then, you know, getting those passes or pull up, crossover. You know, if, you're, if you press Chris Paul time, for example... He's going to run you straight into a screen and then use that space to pull up, or he's going to do a rip through foul. Like there's lots of things, you know. Trey Young, we've seen him recently as well. You know, he'll jump through your arms, all that kind of stuff, right? You, you just but the last couple games here, when we've seen Andrew Nemhard and the Raptors beat the Pacers, um, but down the stretch of that game, quickly had a good game, but Nemhard really started picking up his, uh, his his pickup point, getting higher and higher, being more and more physical and you saw him disrupt Quickly's rhythm down the stretch of that game, and that wasn't, you know, Quickly who closed out strong in that, in that Pacers game. Then you go to the Mavericks game that took place uh, here at Scotiabank, and you saw Josh Green, who's another quick um, but also strong guard, you know, uh, take on the assignment against Quickly and, and you know, shut him down in a lot of key moments and just not allow him to get, you know, turn the corner or get any sort of advantage and, and kind of just stalling out the offense. And tonight you saw a lot of that with Moody, another similar type of player doing that against quickly. So that's certainly something to watch for. Is because, you know, I think the bigger picture look with quickly is that yes, he's been productive, but I think in general what you need him to do is like at secondary option behind Scotty. That's like probably the best case scenario for him. And maybe he doesn't get there, but that's fine. Someone else has to get to that second option. Maybe R.J. has a crack at it or something like that. But generally speaking, you need quickly to be able to create advantages, especially as the playmaker right, Um, either for himself or for others. And we've seen these games where he's had a lot of high assists, but realistically what you need him to be is a a guy who can create off the dribble, create off the perimeter, and and he didn't shoot the ball great tonight, Uh, and I think that's a huge factor in this too. He did have some catch and shoot uh, looks or even open pull-up looks that he's been generally hitting at a higher rate, but it's kind of a return to what his issues were before. Right, The issues before was that he just wasn't able to, A, get into the paint, and, B, when he did get into the paint, wasn't finishing strong. Tonight he uh, shot, what, uh, 4 of 16 from the field. That includes 3 of 12 from 3, and that's obviously going to be where he's going to need to be better. Like If you're going to take 12 threes, you're going to need him to make like, five of these at least. Um, but then the 1 of 4 from inside the arc, Right, only the fact that he took 16 shots, only got two free throw attempts. That's got to come up. And I do like the fact that he's, he was able to get into the paint on a couple occasions, you know, get through the paint and actually set up a guy, like, in the fourth quarter he had a possession where he drove into the paint and actually kept his dribble alive along the baseline, tiptoeing the baseline, until he got to the other side of the baseline, and then he he kicked it out to um, RJ, who then drove against that closeout and actually bodied Kaminga at the basket to create separation for a short little jump hook. But, like... You know, th- there just needs to be more and more, especially again. Scotty drops out for the second half, so where's the offense going to come from? There was no offense. Raptors scored 19 in the third quarter, 22 in the fourth quarter. Like that's that's ultimately why they couldn't really make a comeback. That, along the side, the fact that look th- for the rest of the team, I just don't think that they had they play with the requisite physicality. I feel like the Warriors threw them around across the board. I mean, Raptors really really struggled to cope with a, a team that. Should was smaller. Like, in fact, the Raptors, last time they played Golden State, obviously the different team because Pascal's still on the team, but they were out in California and they were playing on that trip and they smoked the Warriors, mostly because the Raptors used their size really well. Raptors did not use their size well tonight. And, you know, I think there was a real sense from Darko to try to do that because, you know, um, they... Not only did they have Jakob start and, 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 and guard Kaminga, which was an interesting strategy. I'll get to that in a bit. But you saw, finally... Jakob and Kelly playing minutes overlapping each other. So you saw like a decent run of those two guys sharing the floor together. And I think that, well, first off, I don't think the Raptors are practiced at all that much because there was a lot of confusion on the court when they went to those looks. But even, you know, aside from that, I just think that the, you know, they didn't really look organized. They didn't really look that effective. But I think the idea was we're going to have more paint protection and because of Kelly's uh, floor spacing abilities, and honestly, Kelly took it off the dribble and drove into the paint quite a bit for a guy who was playing center. Um, he actually did a pretty good job of that. And he finished with 16 points, uh, five of 10 shooting, and five of six on the foul line. Um, but organizationally, it just wasn't like, it just didn't look like that for the Raptors. You didn't get the sense that you could feel the extra bit of height and the the, the, the weight that you, the Raptors did try to put on the floor. And of course, the perimeter players. I mean, they needed to create a little bit more. I mean, the Warriors definitely did a great job with switching. You know, they coordinate their switches really well. They communicate it well. Um, and they, they try to limit you from getting into the paint by helping a lot, but also by switching a lot so you don't get a lot of off-ball actions. They're not kind of conceding and all that kind of stuff. And, um, yeah, I, I just didn't think their perimeter creation was very strong at all. Uh, quickly, I already talked about the fact that he really couldn't get much offense for himself or for his teammates. I, w- I Honestly, I don't even – like the eleven assists is impressive on paper, but it, it didn't really feel like that. It wasn't like oh, he's dicing up the defense and then boom, he's sending guys up. You know, it just he had a ball in his hands a lot um, in, in a system that really you know has a lot of sets for for guys to create assists. Um, Gary, I thought, really needed to create more, and honestly, he had some wide open catch and shoot threes, and he was really cold tonight as well. On top of the fact that you know his starting role, I mean, this is again before stuff or before uh, Scotty got down with injury. Um what they really want Gary to do is be that three and D type of player. And we've seen him guard really, really tough matchups at the point recently. We saw him guard Halliburton. We saw him guard Trey. We saw him guard Kyrie. This game, he's guarding Steph. So not easy for, by any means, but, you know, you know, Steph really did cook him for a little stretch there. Uh, Again, in that first quarter where, you know, uh, he went off for those three straight threes. and, And that also that drive to set up Draymond. Now, Steph wasn't as, you know, effective the rest of the way. But I also felt like just a sluggish entire game from him overall. Gary did, to his credit, swipe the ball away from uh, Steph once or twice. But generally speaking, he was he, he was it was not too difficult for Steph to find space. Let's just say that much. The fact that he got 22 shots off in 30 minutes is not a good job done defensively because no game plan in the world would ever allow Steph or whoever want and plan for Steph to shoot 22 times in 30 minutes. And he did finish, by the way, with uh, 25 points. Uh, and also made seven threes. But in any case, that's not necessarily why the Raptors lost. I I think, yeah, perimeter creation-wise, they needed more from Gary. They needed more from Quickly. They didn't get any of it off the bench. Um, Bruce Brown just continues to record scratch. Like, the ball gets to his hands, and he either takes a beat too long to think about what's happening or he rushes what's happening or he's making the wrong pass or he's turned the ball over. It's just – it's been a frustrating watch. And I think that a lot of people have pointed this out already, and it's – I'm sure for him he would like to play better and and i'm sure for like everybody you know he's he's newer to the team and you know there's a, there's a couple other guys in that boat but I, I don't know i mean outside of a couple games where he's been screening for the ball and screening for scotty and you know there's a chicago game this is like a couple months back now where he was able to come in and be immediately effective and dark will talk about after the game he's like well you know i did a study once of all the players in the league and and and, and bruce is actually one of the best cutters in the league and you know, I, I don't, you know, I was like, okay, cool. Like, that's, that's a nice little homework assignment. Um, and that's an interesting conclusion. But when you see the games here, it, it hasn't really translated. In fact, when the ball comes to him and the Raptors are kind of in flow, in rhythm, again, playing that 0.5 offense where everyone's sort of moving in and, and, and trying to give advantages to each other, he's kind of stopping and neutralizing those advantages by A, making the wrong plays, or B, taking too long on those. So the reads have not been strong by Bruce Brown. Defensively, I mean, I just don't, you, you just don't really get the sense that he's locking anyone down. Um, if anything, they've added Ochai Obagi to come in and be more of a defensive stopper. The issue with that is, like, well, number one, he's coming off the bench, right? So he's not matching up minutes uh, with the top guys. So you actually saw Darko, for example, at certain moments in this game, switch up Gary and Ochai's minutes in their respective spots in the rotation. So typically... You start the second half, or sorry, you start the third, uh, second quarter, or the fourth quarter with Scotty plus bench. Well, first out there's no Scotty for the second shift. But even that first shift, it wasn't um, you know uh, Ochai with those spots. It was Gary with those spots, and part of that is because they probably wanted to get Ochai a couple more minutes against Steph. Thing is, I don't really feel like, especially in this nine minutes, it, that's not enough to really you know make that big of an impact offensively. But it wasn't also. There wasn't much impact offensively from Ochai as well. You get the sense that there's a real drop off, and even Gary on a cold night, you know, can definitely give you a lot more than what Ochai typically can create for you. So you really do need that perimeter creation, and that's where Darko even looked at DJ Carden, who I think for a lot of people, that's just two nouns. But like that's actually you know one of the Raptors' options in this case, and and DJ was able to uh, come in and play six minutes, and and actually make a couple of memorable plays. DJ Carton, you know, uh, made a cut to the basket. Up fake, you know, drew, I think, Chris Paul trying to foul him. And then, you know, he went to the foul line, made both. He also had a catch-and-shoot corner three. I think Jakob dove to the basket off a of pick-and-roll, uh, helped rotate it over to Jakob, and he kicked it out to DJ in the corner, uh, who knocked it down with a semi-contested look. And then, of course, the probably the only player of the night that you'll really remember is a, a steal Open court, DJ has it, and he throws a lob to Gary, who, or who, to Grady, who catches it in reverse. And uh, honestly, a pretty acrobatic finish. Uh, you know, just really need a good coordination to catch and finish reverse, two hands, while midair. So impressive play there between DJ and Grady. But uh, nonetheless, I think even Carton getting the opportunities here, you know, that's obviously Scotty getting down, creates some more minutes. But realistically, well, I think that's a clear sign that Darko is looking for more perimeter creation. So who knows? Maybe we'll see more and more of him. I, I've liked what I've seen in warm-ups, but that's obviously just warm-ups. He's done well in G League this year. That's obviously just G League, right? This is a totally different level. But at least in the limited minutes he played tonight, you know, um, you know, I thought he gave them something positive. You know, because of Scotty not being able to finish out the game, you even saw Chris Boucher come in for five minutes. And it was, it was um, you know, Chris is really well-liked and, and for a good reason. You know, he's 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 always, I mean, I don't have to explain why Chris is well-liked. He's been here for a while. Um, in any case, he we haven't seen him for a while, and, and he's also been sick as two. So, uh, in any case, he was able to check into the game, and you saw a little bit of an applause. I mean, we were certainly applauding up here in the booth. We were happy to see Chris. And this game kind of did cry out for what Chris needs, right? Like, you know, the physicality for with the, you know, the Warriors, they were getting offensive rebounds and things like that. I felt like the Raptors also weren't putting enough pressure at the basket because the Warriors were switching a lot. The guards couldn't get downhill. And so you probably needed maybe a little bit more of a roll thread or somebody to crash the glass. Just somebody, you know, to do what Chris Boucher does. Get in the game, use his energy, mix it up. Unfortunately, in the five minutes, I mean, the Warriors grabbed like four or five offensive rebounds in that stretch. Um, you know, Chris missed a couple of chances, you know, to, to try to score. And, you know, he did have an alley-oop. He, he caught it. It was also an acrobatic catch by him to finish. That was good. But generally speaking, it just wasn't a very particularly strong stretch. And in terms of the hustle plays, the 50-50 balls, he actually lost out on a lot of those instances. Now, I'm not judging Chris just on the five-minute stint. And I'm very sympathetic to the fact that, you know, he's essentially been put on the bench in a season where it's not necessarily like other guys have outperformed him. It's just the system has changed and he, his exact skill set at the moment doesn't fit. As well, in any case, he's kind of just an odd man out it 's not necessarily his fault, but you would have liked to seen him come in and you know make a case for himself okay fine I, I don 't fit this you know quote unquote style, but you put me in the game, I can be effective in my own way, and I felt like you know it was I was a little lacking, but hey that's for five minutes you know for the other guys you just didn't really even see them you know make that much of an impact I mean Grady, I think once again you know similar to the Mavericks the The Warriors switched a lot of off-ball actions. The Warriors did a good job of communicating those switches as well. And so, you know, the ways that Grady was getting his shots off weren't really necessarily there. Um, Also, again, nobody touching the paint and kicking it out is obviously always going to hurt a guy like Grady, who's a spot-up shooter, catch-and-shoot kind of guy, at least for right now. So it was difficult for Grady to figure out where his shots were going to come from. I thought he did a good job, though, hunting in transition. I thought he was aggressive, looking for his threes, didn't just take the easy ones, you know, like hunted them, as well, there were contested, some of them. Two of six, I, I really feel comfortable with that number where he takes six in 26 minutes. Like, I think that's for his current skill set right now, especially without the ability to pull up for three and, and create his own, like, off the dribble kind of three. Six is a good number, right? He, you, you work hard enough, you run hard enough, um, you keep, you know, cycling towards the ball. You hopefully not even use screens better. Cause again, if the Warriors are switching everything off ball, then just go screen for the ball. Right. Because Grady does have gravity in a way that, you know, we have Steph and Clay literally still in the building. So I don't want to overuse the word gravity, but still like to in, in his own like minor way, he has gravity. He draws attention from from other people. So, you know, try to bring that towards the ball and create a little bit of confusion. And you didn't necessarily see enough of that or even use that to set back screens for other players. I mean, these are all more advanced plays that the Warriors have obviously mastered. I mean, the amount of time Steph back screened and created opportunities. That was easy uh, for the Warriors to generate some offense there. Nevertheless, though, um, yeah, I thought Grady, I I liked his game. And and, and it is, you know, you compare it to to Gary's, for example, Gary did a lot more self-creation. But still, I think catch-and-shoot-wise, you know, he didn't really – I guess you needed one of those two guys to be hot, if not both, in in this game to sort of score enough points against Golden State. And, look, for for the Warriors, it wasn't just, you know, Steph and – you know Clay just had a regular Clay game. He he started because uh, Pajemski was was injured and he couldn't play tonight. He he did okay, fourteen and seven for Clay. Um, but I thought Moody was a big difference maker for them. His physicality, his his ability to to space the floor and just be a really solid three and D type of guy. He did that tonight. He was pretty disruptive and, and especially defensively. I was very impressed. Kaminga, you know, even with Steve yelling at him, he, Steve still played him and he's still took a ton of shots, 19 shots in 27 minutes. It was interesting because I mentioned this earlier. The Raptors had a unique strategy guarding him where it actually reminded me so much of how the Raptors wanted to guard Zion as well. Now, granted, they did not do well against the Pelicans. The Pelicans washed the Raptors, and the Raptors literally played the whole fourth quarter in garbage time that night. But the way they guarded against Zion was they had Jakob actually guard against him, and uh, instead they had... I, I forget. I think Scotty guarded JV. In any case, like, they didn't use their center to guard the opposing center. They used their center, in this case, Jakob, to sag off of Kaminga, dare him to shoot a little bit, and and Kaminga really didn't punish them at all with any outside jumpers. But he didn't need to because he was just so, like, athletic and just burst through certain gaps and just, like, you know, the Kool-Aid man style, just, like, you know, breaking through and uh, playing with that type of force and that type of physicality. And I think to some degree, Jakob can, you know, absorb some of it. But Jakob's not so quick and so strong that he can absorb all of it without it being called a foul. Um, and so you did see Kaminga, like, sneak around. I mean, he he postered him at one point. Uh, it, it's just you, you're also giving him space. So if he's then screening for the ball like he did for Steph for certain stretches there in the second quarter, that's going to create opportunities for, you know, guys to just the Raptors to really have to scramble and and break down those gaps. And that's where also Kaminga got free a couple of times. But it's just interesting to watch him. I mean, like there is a there's a touch of Zion, I guess, you know, that that super athlete who can really handle a little bit, not that strong shooting wise. You know, of course, the way to guard against that, you can use your size to try to absorb some of it. I'm sure that that can work to some degree. We've also seen the other approach where, you know, for example, this is going back to in-season tournament times, but the Pelicans versus the, the Lakers, that game where the, where LeBron infamously took on the assignment of guarding Zion and LeBron t- like beat him to the spot and, and ate a whole bunch of charges and, and made Zion feel, you know, unsure as to when he's going to attack. And of course, if you take any player's aggression away, you've done a great job defensively against them. Um, you know, you could do a little bit of that. The Raptors, you know, didn't, but I, I suppose that is another option, but it was kind of interesting seeing what dark was trying there. I mean, you could clearly tell he was trying to search for it. You lose Scotty, you lose a lot. And, um, you know, this is not something where other guys can just come in and instantly replicate it. I, I think my hope was quickly could generate more of his own offense and kind of step in. I mean, obviously he's the number two, but like, you know, sometimes number one gets hurt and number two has to become number one. And you did not see that. Number two remained number two, if not number three or number four, in terms of play creation. Uh, you know, uh, you, you saw RJ, you know, make his impact and he, he doesn't have the ball all that much, but he creates and he scores and, you know, he was tough and, 23 points, you know, made some good passes as well. But ultimately, that's not enough, man. I, I think you need quickly to really, you know, be the number two. And I think that's that's going to dictate a lot of sort of like the Raptors' future and also his own future, right? Like how much are you going to get paid based off of that, right? If, if you know, if, if it's just – if it's Scotty and other guys and, and the rest of them are clearly a tier below, then A, this team is not going to be that strong. And B, he's not going to get paid in like the 30-plus million range. He's going to be paid like good starter range, which he might just be that. Um, but if that's the case, then you do need to also then find a secondary option. But in any case, this is just one game. The Warriors have been really good defensively recently, and, um, yeah, I mean, even though a lot of the guys came in really didn't do much Looney, I thought was real. I mean, he continues to struggle for them. Charich is not doesn't look that playable, quite frankly. He's also moving around real stiff. Even watching him in warm and stuff, he just looks stiff. I don't know. Um, Chris Paulkins with decent minutes. Trace Jackson June Davis, I mean, cool. Uh, Gary Payton didn't really make an impact. Really, Lester Kingonius—it's actually kind of interesting watching him run around. I mean, the Raptors were just closing out so hard on him. Like, I don't know—you gotta show it to me. Like, okay, he's got to be a huge scoring threat for the Raptors to guard him like that because they were panicking like it was Stephen Clay out there, and it was actually giving up blow bys. But the the Warriors' starting group really did play well after uh, you know uh, Kerr yelled at them. So. Uh, honestly, a good job by co- coaching by Steve Kerr because this is obviously a pretty difficult game for them. Kind of similar to Dallas, where after this they got to go to Boston. So, uh, and this is after a bit of a longer Eastern Conference road trip. So, you know, you could tell the team is tired. The, the, the Warriors, obviously, they were tired because of the plane, all that kind of stuff, back to back, and being on the road. And they have a tough opponent next, so they kind of needed to get this one. And you saw that urgency from them in a way you did not see from the Raptors. So, um, hopefully. Scotty's okay, uh, but in any case, I'm going to hand out the three stars. But before I do that, a message from our sponsor. Are you ready to get fired up for the next game? Nothing helps more than a bowl of Campbell's new chunky spicy chicken noodle soup. Let me tell you, it's got tons of seasoned chicken, veggies, and noodles all in a tasty spicy broth. So it'll fill you up and get you fired up. Take your game to the next level. See if you can handle the heat with the new chunky spicy chicken noodle soup. Okay, your three stars. From this performance, um, first star. I think get the first out of Kelly. I thought Kelly. I thought played really well, really aggressive. I mean, the game's not supposed to play through Kelly that much, but obviously, you had some injuries. He had to step in a little bit of power forward as well. That's the fun of the versatility of, of of Kelly. I think if they're gonna make it successful, Kelly and Yaka both have to understand how to play with each other as well. I, I doubt that they've practiced any of these looks, and it certainly looked that way with how disorganized it was. But Kelly did try to create a bit, and he did sixteen points. 10 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 steals, 5 of 10 shooting from the field, 1 of 3 from 3, 5 of 6 from the free throw line. Yeah, I just like Kelly's ability to play in the pain and just and get a sense of like, okay, you know, he's so slow that he can kind of like think through everything he's doing as he's doing it and then ultimately make the right read, you know, and uh, yeah, I, I really liked his effort tonight. Your, your second start, i want going to give it to RJ, 23 points, 3 rebounds, 4 assists. I wouldn't mind if RJ got the ball even more, but I like the fact that he's catching shooting better. Three or four from the free throw line is really good. I'll take that after, you know, him missing a whole bunch of shots recently from the foul line. 9-16 uh, overall, I like that he was playing tough. I like that he got double technicals with Kaminga just trying to jostle for position. Don't let anybody push you around, man. And I like that. I like that, you know, even though it's a little excessive, it's a little extra. Uh, I appreciate, you know, the dog that RJ had in him tonight. And then your third star, uh... Honestly, honestly, DJ Carden, young man, I, you know, good for you, man, DJ. you know, I'll, you know what, DJ Carden has a has a tattoo. I, I've been watching him warm up, and, and he's always he's like one of the first guys to warm up for the team. There's like a seniority, right? Like, you know, when you're more experienced veteran players, you can kind of choose when you want to warm up. Typically, warm up later, come on the second bus type of deal. Um, you know, guys like DJ who are on ten days, you know, things like that, like they're gonna have to come super early, right? So am I'm, I'm watching DJ Carden warm up, and I'm like. There's a tattoo on his forearm. What does that say? And it says, bet on me. It says, bet on me. So this is this is the second point guard, or second guard, I guess, that we've had in, in the last few years where, you know, the, the bet on myself, bet on me type of thing uh, is there. So, I mean, it worked out with the last guy. Uh, hopefully, you know, he has a similar career. But in any case, um, I was just happy to see him come in and contribute and have some productive minutes off the bench. You just need to take these opportunities. I think Chris could have had that chance, too. He just didn't necessarily do the same things. And I would have given to Chris, too, but – um. yeah, I thought DJ came in and played well. So, congrats to DJ. Your, your Gerald Henderson Award winner, uh, you got to give it to Moody. I thought Moody did a great job, you know, picking up some of that defensive responsibility left over from, from pods, uh, not being there, 17 points, five rebounds, an assist, two steals, two blocks. Did a great job guarding quickly. And, yeah, I mean, once, the, once like, Scotty came out the game, it was like, okay, if you can really handle quickly as well, then Warriors going to have no problems. And the Warriors really did not have any problems beating – the raptors tonight so uh it, it, look it, it's a tough one hopefully we can see scotty back on the court soon um it was yeah it's just a little scary the way he ran off the court uh clearly had jammed his finger in some strange way um but yeah i mean in any case if they don't have scotty going forward i hope they do practice some of these other looks that they try to go with tonight because they look quite disorganized but you got to hand it to the warriors too they're playing really well they've done th- sixteen. And their defense is the primary driver behind that. And you saw that here tonight with how disruptive they were defensively. So thanks everyone for listening. Please continue to rate, review, subscribe to the Raptors show. And, uh, yeah, you've been listening to the Raptors Ration Podcast brought to you by Campbell's new chunky spicy soup. Time to get fired up.